Hey there, Victoria here, and welcome to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad that you're tuning in, and I, I know you're busy, but oh man, you're in for a treat today. I'd like to introduce you to a remarkable young man named Jordan T. Hall. First, hats off because he graduated from homeschool. Later, he went on to Georgetown College, and then he earned a law degree from the University of Louisville. And you know, if that's not enough, he's written a book called Every Degree Debt-Free that you're going to want to buy and give to all your friends who have kids in high school and college. I mean, come on, can you imagine cash flowing a law degree or any graduate degree for that matter? Yeah. Well, what's Jordan doing nowadays? He keeps his law license current and he's serving as a realtor for Century 21 in Frankfurt. He also puts his hands to work at Hall Brothers Home Improvement. Plus, we're blog buddies. A couple of times a month, he aims to share practical tips and tricks about wise money management and how to save money. And you can find all the links in the show notes. But needless to say, from experience and background, I think we can call him an expert money manager. In today's episode, Jordan shares his top three tips on exactly how to graduate from college with zero debt. These are practical applications that any college-bound individual is going to want to consider and put into play. But this episode is not just for prospective college students. Jordan and I also chat about the mindset of deciding, or we might call it resolve and determination. As believers, we also discuss the concepts of time, talent, and treasure, and how everything we do, everything we put our hands and minds to, we can do to the glory of God. And listen, Jordan shares a personal story toward the end of the show that will drop your jaw. It's about a huge wad of cash and a riding lawnmower. Yeah, so stay tuned. But first, an important ministry update. I am so excited to share a new adventure that I've been working on for quite a while. I just launched the Choose to Think Merch and More Biz, where you can purchase mainly t-shirts at this point, but I'm working on long sleeve shirts and hoodies to support what? Faith-based thinking. That's right. I've created t-shirt designs that help you feel empowered and serve as a reminder to choose your thoughts, emotions, attitudes, and mindsets wisely each day. Remember, our thoughts take up mental real estate. They're not just little particles floating around in the air. They're made up of chemicals and they shape and form many dynamics in your brain, literally and physically. Scientists say that we think more than 60,000 thoughts every single day. And the Bible tells us to take our thoughts captive, to give thanks in everything, and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, those are my podcast theme verses and the impetus behind my ministry. Enter apparel. Why not wear what we mean? I mean, what we mean says it all, right? Anyway, visit my site on Teespring where I'm loading new designs weekly. And tell me which one is your favorite. I can tell you that the t-shirt pin that generated over 8.6 thousand views on Pinterest is I Choose Hope Today. Perfect for this season, wouldn't you say? And, you know, the messages are designed to promote conversation with folks around you. You know, they're supposed to help you as you throw on the shirt. But also, you know, maybe someone will ask you why you're choosing hope and what that means and how you apply hope in your life. These faith-based messages can serve as a catalyst for sharing your Christian beliefs. Who knows, right? Anywhere. Anyway, come on over and please let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your feedback. And guess what? 
I have a promo code for all my listeners to save five bucks on your purchase. I think the lowest t-shirt price is $17.99. They range from $17.99 to $21.99. So that's a pretty good savings there. You can get the promo code on the sh- in the show notes. Plus, I've designed two tees to reinforce the themes of today's show. One says, I choose productivity today. And the other says, I choose no debt today. So will you help me get the word out by liking and sharing today's episode or the link to one of the t-shirts on your social media? Or maybe you can send it to a friend in a text or an email. I would really appreciate this. Okay, now on with the show. Welcome, Jordan, to the Choose to Think podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm excited too. I'm glad you are grateful to be on. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're quite welcome, Jordan. Okay, so Jordan is the son of a dear friend of mine. And I've known Jordan, gosh, I have no idea. How long have, have, have 20, I known 20 you? plus years, at least. Yeah, something like that. So we're homeschool, homeschool families. And Jordan, in his life, has gone on to... he. He graduated from Georgetown College and then went to U of L and got a law degree. And he wrote a book called Every Degree Debt Free. And that's kind of where we're going to start at this point because I invited Jordan to the show to share some of his tips and tricks about just how to do this in the in a day and age where college loans student loans are just out of the park, right? Then what, here's someone who's kind of on the other side of the fence saying, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be that way. So I'd I'd like to just pick your brain a little bit, Jordan, on, on how did you, how did you come to write the book? And if you could share a little bit about the book and the process and all your mindsets and attitudes of actually graduating from college and law school debt-free, which just sounds amazing to me. So can, and I know this is like a big, huge question, but anywhere you want to jump in, just go for it and we'll go from there. Sure, sure. No, absolutely. Um, So, uh, well, like you mentioned, I was, uh, I uh, grew up, I was homeschooled. And um, when I, while I was being homeschooled, I kind of, you, you have the opportunity to really, um, a lot of people do at least read really broadly and kind of focus in on the, the stuff you want to focus in on beyond just the the traditional educational subjects. And I kind of, when I was really young, got into personal finance. Um, my parents went through some rough uh, financial times when I was a young teen. And as a part of that, I kind of watched what they went through and they were, they were doing some personal research trying to to figure out money and, um, you know, deal with debt and that sort of thing. So I first picked up a book by Dave Ramsey, which was back then financial peace. Um, and I read that when I was like 13 and that kind of fostered an interest. And I went through his class with my parents and, um, he kind of started shaping how I view money and, and debt. And he obviously since then has become a huge household name in America, um, and so that was what kind of sparked my interest. And I would read as much as I could in, in high school about money. And um, I'm a believer, so I was always approaching it from a Christian perspe- perspective. Uh, and so when I got, I knew that I wanted to uh, go to college after high school, but I knew I wanted to, I did not want to borrow money for it. Um, and so I applied to several different schools. I ended up getting accepted to Georgetown. 
and um, got a pretty pretty good amount of scholarship there. Enough that uh, I still had to come out of pocket some, but it was it was basically just enough that I could work and. Uh, I thought I could work and pay for the balance of it that wasn't covered with scholarships and and financial aid. So that's what I did. I in high school I had started a lawn care business with my or helped my older brothers who were already in the lawn care business, and I kind of helped them grow that. And that's uh, how I how I paid for things when I was in high school. But I knew I would need that in college, so I continued to grow it in college in Georgetown. I live here in Frankfurt, and that's only about thirty minutes from Georgetown. So it allowed me to keep my business here in Frankfurt and. And in college at Georgetown, I would, you know, oftentimes schedule my classes as early in the day as possible so that I'd go to class in the morning and the afternoons, drive back to Frankfurt and and work. And so that is in, ended up being how I paid for my undergrad, um, the majority of it anyway. And I was able to do that and get through debt free. And as I got through my senior year of at Georgetown, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do next. I wasn't sure exactly, kind of like a lot of college students. And I ended up, uh, I had always had an interest in law and thought I might want to go to law school. So I applied to several law schools, UK, UofL, Northern Kentucky. Uh, and I knew, uh, I knew I, I might want to do that, but I knew if I did that, I wanted to do it, uh, it debt-free as well. Like if I couldn't pay for it out of pocket, it wasn't going to be an option for me. And, um, anyway, I ended up getting some scholarship offers, uh, look the best, combination of deal of the deal that I thought I had was at UofL. I actually got a full ride um, tuition wise at Northern Kentucky, um, which was pretty awesome, but um, I still had to pay. I would still have to pay for my living expenses and all that. And um, law school is, you know, kind of like med school or other graduate programs, a little more rigorous than undergrad. So I knew I wouldn't be able to work or work as much in law school. Um, So even though I had the full ride offer at Northern, uh, I uh, I looked at my other options, UK and UofL, where I did not get a full ride, but I got some help at both of those places. Um, but I knew if I went to one of those schools, which are a little more local for me, I could continue working um, some in my lawn care business. So I ended up deciding the best deal I got was at UofL, um, had, still had several thousand dollars a year that I would have to pay for out of pocket to cover school. And then I had to cover my living expenses as well. Um, but I ended up deciding to go to L because I felt like I could come back to Frankfurt. It's about 50 minute drive from Frankfurt to that law school. Um, and, uh, I knew I could commute back and forth and keep doing that. So that's what I did. I would oftentimes go to, go to my classes once again, schedule them as early in the day as possible. And then, drive back to Frankfurt and <laughs> uh, leave law school and go into lawn care for the rest of the day. And so that's what I did for uh, my law school career. Actually, um, in my second year of law school, I discovered uh, through some of my law, law classes, a love for real estate law. And as a part of that, um, I didn't, always wanted to get my real estate license. So I did that and ended up uh, starting to sell houses with my real estate license in law school. That helped helped me learn more about real estate and about the law and uh, was a great source of income to pay for, help pay for law school. Um, also got, got married uh, during my second year, between my first and second years of law school. And um, to my wife, Megan, who I'm still married to now, and we have two children. Um, and uh, anyway, I ended up uh, using that combination of sources to finish paying for law school. And when I got out, I actually had uh, gotten so far into real estate sales and loved it so much that uh, that's actually what I, I still do today. I keep my law license active, but um, I have a passion for um, everything that has to do with the residential real estate market. I actually also started uh, started doing some remodeling on the side. And um, after I got out of law school, I, I kind of closed down my 
uh, lawn care business because that wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It was kind of a means to an end. Uh, but I kept uh, kept selling real estate and I kept uh, doing some some remodels on the side. And so now today, I, uh, I actually don't practice law, at least not much. Um, I keep my law license active, but I um, the main thing that I do is I, I sell, sell real estate and we do have a couple of guys who work with me. We do remodel projects. Um, and then I, uh, I, uh, also do some blogging and stuff as well, because while I was in, I guess to, to connect it all while I was in law school, um, that's when the, that was back in, I graduated law school in 2015. And, uh, just before that kind of the, between 2010 and 2015 is when student debt in America just started skyrocketing. And it kind of there's there started this narrative, um, national narrative of kind of it's it's impossible to go to college or graduate school without debt. Uh, I mean, students are cut, started coming out with hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans. And my goal had always been to avoid student loans, and I was doing it. So I kind of felt obligated to uh, you know start sharing with other people how this can be done. And so while I, it was actually during my my first year of law school that I kind of got the idea, I said if you know if I can do this without debt, I'm gonna when I get done, I'm going to kind of journal and, and uh, write down my story and uh, share some, some tips on how I think students can get through law school or get through graduate school and college debt-free. Um, and so that's what I, that's what I ended up doing in 2018. I published my book, Every Degree Debt-Free uh, through Amazon. And uh, it kind of tells my story of how I went through college. And mo- mostly it focuses on my law school my time in law school as far as the story goes. Uh, but then it uh, highlights some other people who have done undergraduate, everything from undergraduate, medical school, business school, debt-free, um, and explains uh, how to do that, how I did it, how others did it, um, how I believe anybody can do it, and uh, most importantly, explains why I think that's so important. I want to go back a little bit, Jordan, to what I think, and this may just be me, but is is an, some kind of negative stereotyping about working so much. It's like, okay, you're a workaholic, or gosh, I wish you didn't have to work so much. And for me, what I've tried to do is spin that kind of mindset or attitude into something slightly different. Yes, of course, we need to rest and relax, and we need to have fun, and we need to fill our tanks and all of that. But why is it so wrong just to be productive? And why is it, quote, wrong to work so much when really it can be, we can be doing something we're passionate about. We can be, you know, expressing ourselves, using our gifts that God has given us. And work doesn't have to be something that is negative. Instead, it can be, look, I'm being productive. And I've tried to to spin that a little bit. Matter of fact, I, in an interview with uh, a gal, matter of fact, she had a, a, a law degree also. Her name is Elizabeth Jones and she started a cookie business. And she said, you know, we don't look at this as, as work, like, oh, here comes another cookie order and I've got to get busy working. Right. And the kids were like moaning and groaning because, oh, no, no, we we celebrated that and we looked at it as being productive. And I thought that was such a, an awesome way to spin that mindset. But when I listened to you share about the hustling that you did, how did you manage that in terms of Allowing that to be okay. Maybe your peers were over here playing, you know, 
games or doing other things, which I'm not saying that all that is bad, but how did you handle that kind of amount of work emotionally? How did you really deal with that? Was it your frame of mind or were you more matter of fact about it saying, you know, this is just what I need to do because I'm determined to meet this goal and graduate debt free? Um, Were there any bumps in the road for you in all of that? Does this make sense? No, absolutely. It's a a great question. Um, And I've actually thought about that, that sort of philosophy of of work and how much one should work, particularly a believer, um, a lot lately. I would say what during my time in college and law school, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a workaholic because I, I was very much working at that time for a goal. I knew I knew my goal was to get through school and to pay for it. Um, that was that was very important to me. And uh, I was working, I would say, if I had kept up that level, that that amount of time and that level of work uh, for an extended period of time, um, I would say it could become problematic. Uh, but at, at that time, I had a, I had a set goal. I knew what I wanted to accomplish, and also um, at that time, you know, for the majority of it, I was I was single, and then I did get married, and we didn't have any kids yet, so I could afford to work at that level. Um, and it wasn't as costly in terms of a, a um, opportunity cost. Whereas now, um, you know, I'm, I'm 30 year old, years old now. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And uh, to think about working at the level that I was working then is, um, you know, would just be devastating to have to spend the time away from my my family. Um, and fortunately, now I'm in a position where I don't have to. You know, I try to keep, I try to stay now at about 40 hours a week. Um, it's usually more than that, um, but I try to keep my weekends um, available for my family as many of my evening evenings as possible. And I think in the long term, um, you know, a reasonable level amount of time of work. Um, I don't think anybody should shoot to to work eighty hours a week uh, for forty years. I I think that's probably unhealthy. Um, but there's the other side of it that says, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do these days doesn't feel like work because I like doing it. Um, and it's, you know, as a believer, I do think that I think humans are made to work. Like, I don't I don't think anyone should choose should shoot, strive for a life where you don't work. Um, almost even the idea of retirement uh, from any kind of productive labor, I think, is unhealthy. Um, somebody might might choose to or shoot for retirement from a, a career so that they can then involve themselves in other kind of kingdom work. Um, but I definitely think that, uh, you know, you everything that you do, you know, can be done to the glory of God, no matter what it is. Uh, and the initial goal, obviously, is to put food on your table and on your family's table and see that they're taken care of. Um, but beyond that, you know, we as believers, I think we're we're to work for the glory of God and to enrich the lives of others. And that doesn't uh, that doesn't always mean working 80, 80 hours a week to accomplish a goal. I think that's fine in the short term. But in the long term, um, you know, I'm, I've tried to design a life where I can uh, work and provide for my family um, on a reasonable amount of time each week and uh, and hopefully enrich the lives of, of them and others. Um, but work is a, you know, certainly out, workaholism is a problem in America. And if you're working just for work's sake or just to make money or just or all that sort of stuff, I, I think that's unhealthy and unfulfilling. Okay, so let's go back to your book. And if you could kind of boil that down for any college listeners at the moment, maybe to three, four tips that you would give those students on 
even where to start because it probably seems a bit overwhelming. Yeah, definitely. To go to college debt free. So where should they start, or what tips can you offer? Sure. Um, well, I think the, I think the biggest thing is school selection. Um, if you're coming out of high school, and you know, we'll just talk about undergrad at this point. Uh, if you're if you're trying to decide where you're going to go to college, you want to get a, a four year degree. Um, I would I would say the biggest factor is going to be where you go to school. There's tons of options, and actually, in the last in the last six months, a whole new world has opened up as uh, Corona has forced us to go uh, to do to start looking at doing so much remotely. Um, but I would say um, there is a vast range of what you can pay for a college degree these days. Um, and for a lot of people, I would say, uh, you know, to look at community colleges or local colleges, you can you can attend community college or the, your local college at a price that's much less than uh, some private, private schools. And I'm not against private schools, but uh, if you're looking at going to a uh, private school for at $50,000 a year versus you can go to your local public high college or community college for five or $10,000 a year. I don't think you're getting five to 10 times the value for a private school. And, and, and in fact, I know you're not. Um, I did go to, you know, Georgetown's a private school, um, but I went there only because it was actually cheaper for me to go there than it was to go to UK based on the scholarships and financial aid I got. Um, so anyway, I would say, first of all, school choice is extremely important. Um, that's, that's the biggest factor you need to, to set up and you can set up a, uh, a program where you go, you go that, um, allows you to pay for any out-of-pocket costs yourself. Um, the second one, obviously big for me. Sorry, is, one second, Jordan, you hear my little yeah. Rico the monkey. Hopefully you know him. He always has to make his, I like his it. appearance. <laughs> Podcast. Matter of fact, he's barking at Matthew because Matthew is getting ready to go to a class. I think he's in his senior year now at UK. So hold on. I'm going to open my door so Rico can go visit Matthew. Hold on one sec. Hold that thought. Okay, I'm back. Thank you so much for your patience, Jordan. Can you recap for us, please? So number one was uh, school choice, select a school that you can afford. Um, number The second thing I would say is don't, don't be afraid to work during school. Um, now, at the graduate level, it may be a little bit different, but uh, on the undergraduate level, uh, students can absolutely uh, work while they're in school. In fact, there's a lot of research out there that shows that students who work 15 to 20 hours a week while they're in college actually get higher grades than students who don't work. And I, I think that's um, because that has myriad benefits. One is when I was working, I had to stay in, in college. I had to stay focused. Like I had to set my schedule um, very intentionally. I had to, I knew I had to get my studying done because I, I had to get to work. Um, and, uh, you know, there's honestly so many options. I think t people typically think like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Go work at McDonald's and, uh, or go serve at a restaurant, which those things are fine. Um, and they're great if that's what's available to you, but there are so many options online. Um, so many flexible, uh, paths for students to work while they're in school. I mean, being a nanny or mowing lawns or uh, all sorts of online business opportunities. Like there's just so many opportunities uh, for, for college age students to make money these days and, and on a really flexible schedule and flexible geography. Like you don't have to take a job where you have to be in one place the entire time. You can, uh, especially now you can work from wherever. Yeah. And let me just add also jobs on campus. Yes. Those are just so awesome to have. Matthew worked as a tutor at BCTC for 
gosh, I think he did it the whole time he was there. And then even when he transferred to UK, he he continued working with BCTC. Now he has a an you know, an engineering internship that he's doing. But so he let the tutoring go. But the tutoring, those jobs on campus are extremely flexible, like you said. And they'll, you know, you got an exam coming up, then you can, you may be able to switch your schedule around. There's a lot of, you know, sympathetic rescheduling that can go on there for the class load. So, so yes, there are, there are many options. Although I will tell you that college officials often, they don't say that students should work at the same time. Sometimes they encourage students not to work. And so where do we put that? Is it more individual? Like, or is that just some, you know, we just don't have to buy into that lie that students can juggle all of that together. What do you think? Sure. Well, if those officials making those suggestions are willing to pay the remaining balance of the of the tuition, then I'm you know more than welcome to accept that. Uh, but uh, that's a little tongue in cheek, obviously. But no, I mean, I, I just I patently patently disagree with that line of thinking. I understand uh, on the surface, and you have to remember that those officials there that's their job is to get students to focus on their studies and to ensure that they uh, they graduate. And I respect that that train of thinking. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I also think that a, an education, a college education uh, that's completely well-rounded happens in and outside of the classroom. And I, I believe I learned as much in terms of character and how the world works by working while I was in school. Um, and I, it helped. It honest, I 100% believe it helped me learn better in the classroom because I had some some real world experience to start applying um, to the classroom. And it, uh, you know, I, I think it's important to take your have have an outlet to take your mind off your studies some uh, to get out and to uh, and obviously you can do that with non work related activities. Um, but I 100% um, believe that at a reasonable level. Working while you're in school is, particularly in college, is not a negative. I think it's it's a positive, and uh, I'll be doing everything I can to encourage my my kids when they're that age to um, to work while they're in school. And um, uh, you know, I respect I respect the advice of of school counselors and and those sorts. And I know uh, I'm sure their intentions are the best, but I'm I'm definitely in the camp that working while you're in school is a net positive on basically every level and not, not excessively, you know, it's, it'd be tough to work 60 hours a week and pull down a, a full, full-time college schedule, but absolutely 20 hours or so a week. Um, I mean, there's plenty of people who, who work a full-time job and go to college at the same time. Like that's not unheard of. Uh, and, uh, if that's, if you're up to it, you know, every, you know, yourself, um, you know what you're, you're capable of handling, but, um, just about everybody, I, you know, I, when I was on, on the college campus, I saw most students wasting way more than 20 hours a week in very non-productive activities, some really non-productive activities. Um, so I don't think, I don't think that's, that's not what's holding people back in, in school from succeeding working 20 to 20 hours a week or so is not holding people back. Amen. I'm 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 in your camp on this for sure. So tip number one would be school selection. And tip number two is don't be afraid to work during school. Go ahead and do it. I totally agree with what you're saying there. And what about do you have another tip or two? Uh, well, obviously, scholarships play a big part um, in uh, they played a big part in my uh, paying for school. And I, I don't have the stat readily available, but I think it's something like 60, uh, 60 something percent of students at the graduate level get some form of scholarship. Um, and it's even higher than that for undergraduates. So uh, you've got to make, um, 
make getting scholarship money or financial aid as high a priority as you can. And by financial aid, I don't mean loans. Uh, I mean, grants uh, that are, uh, you know, I, I don't mean money that you have to pay back. I mean, grants that are going to basically act as scholarships for you. Um, and those, I don't think most students realize how many sources there are available for scholarships, um, for help for, for college. There are, most schools themselves have scholarships available, um, but there are all kinds of community organizations. Um, billions of dollars in scholarship money goes unclaimed every year. Um, and so I, I, pursuing scholarships should be job number one of high school sen- juniors and seniors, in my opinion. Um, but even once you're in school, there are a whole lot of scholarship opportunities available. And I talk about uh, a lot of them in the book. Um, but that can be a, a huge boon. If you combine the, if you choose the right school, um, you combine pursuing all the scholarship opportunities and you're willing to work, those three alone there are uh, you know, going to get you a long way toward graduating debt-free. Mo- most importantly, though, this isn't really a tip. This is just kind of a mindset. And uh, you know, I- I've got to do some convincing to get you to buy into this. But if you just decide, the most important thing, the most important factor in graduating school debt-free is just to decide from the beginning to not borrow money. That's what I did. Um, because if you don't make that decision, there are all kinds of forces all kinds of forces working uh, to get you into debt for school. The schools themselves, intentionally or unintentionally, um, your peers, uh, there's all sorts of corporations um, cropping up these days to help you uh, get low interest loans to go to school. There's all kinds of forces out there that will encourage you to take on student loans. And uh, I, I just decided at the beginning I wasn't going to do that. And I think it's important for people to make that decision early on. And then uh, once you make that decision, I think the opportunities open up and you see uh, what the possibilities can be. But that, that's the decision that has to be made ahead of time, because if you wait until uh, until after you've applied and got accepted and are, are going to school, then at that point you're going to school and you're going to you're going to pay for it however it needs to be paid for. Um, but I think uh, plenty of options are available to just say from the beginning, I'm not going to borrow money. I'm going to I'm going to pay for school however I have to do it and then go out there and do it. And there's just too many people who have done it to say otherwise at this point. Right. And this is so helpful, Jordan. I have one question that it just occurred to me. What about credit card debt? So many students get into debt or, and it may not be credit card. It may be, you know, they bought a car and they have a car loan. So how do we put those two items into the equation here? Sure. Well, I think that I think they go hand in hand. And one of the things I talk about in my book, one of the reasons that I encourage um, students so heavily to avoid student loans is that student loans, to me, are kind of an entry point. They're almost uh, a gateway to other kinds of debt because most most high schoolers um, don't borrow money. Most of them don't have credit cards yet. Uh, obviously, most of them don't have home loans or car loans yet, although some of them, some of them do, uh, even at 16 or 17, start borrowing money for cars. But the first uh, money that most people borrow, most adults borrow, is when they're 18 years old um, to go to school. And, you know, if that if that's where it ended, um, then that would be one thing, but that's not where it ends. And credit cards are soon to follow. They're pitched all over the college campuses. Um, so if you, uh, you know, you're 18, you walk on the college campus, you sign up the first year for $50,000 worth of student loan debt, and you grab yourself a credit card and you start financing your social life on the credit card. Uh, meanwhile, you also finance a, a car at 10000 or $20,000. All of a sudden, um, you manage to graduate at age 22. You walk out with a several hundred thousand dollars in consumer debt, uh, you've you've dug yourself a hole 
that is going to take you minimum of 20 to 30 years to get out of. It's going to steal the best years of your life because you're going to be devoting that time, those decades to paying back money rather than using your education to uh, fund your life and live out your dreams uh, the way I think people should. So th- those things go hand in hand. I see I see student loans as gateway debt to a lifestyle of bondage. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's so important to uh, to encourage students to avoid, because if you can start the habits today, um, of avoiding debt and saving money, um, then that's going to have, uh, that's, that's really why I'm interested in this. You know, I, I talk about in the book, uh, your, your dollar, um, every dollar that you earn or borrow before the age of 30 is really a hundred dollars by the time you're 60. So your, your actions in your twenties and before, uh, have a lot bigger impact than you realize, because if you could save a dollar or invest a dollar in your twenties, then it's going to magnify over the coming decades. And the same, unfortunately, the same thing's true in reverse. If you've got to pay off $100,000 in your 20s, um, that's going to end up being, you're going to end up paying back a whole lot more. And those dollars could have been working to your benefit all those decades uh, rather than holding you back. And before we go on, let's take a quick break from our sponsor. Can you speak, Jordan, to you know, our biblical worldview, what is the concept of being a slave in the sense of money and as being a debtor, debt or a person, you know, owns, owes debt? What, what is your understanding that, how does the Bible speak to that? Sure. Um, well, I think it's, it's very clear. Jesus said, you can, you can't serve two masters, either you'll love, you'll love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. And, um, to me, there's, there's, there's no greater definition of being a slave to money than to be in debt. Uh, when you've got, when you've got to make those payments, you've got to make those payments. Your life is not yours and, uh, you are at the mercy of your lender. Um, whoever that may be, whether it's Sally Mae or a private lender, um, or mom and dad, and that's just a biblical truth. Um, and obviously Proverbs speaks about that as well. Um, and so, I, you know, that doesn't mean that it's sinful to borrow money, in my opinion, or anything like that. Um, I do think it's uh, the Bible speaks very clearly on it. Um, and, uh, you know, what Jesus said there and what, what the Proverbs has to say, borrower servant to the lender. Um it rings true, and there's no way to, to find that out quite like uh, borrowing several hundred thousand dollars for school. Um, and so I would, uh, you know, I think it's very clear that uh, we as believers need to steward God's resources, all the, the money we have, our time, talent, treasure is not our own, it's God's, and we need to take very seriously the task of managing it for Him. And I, I personally believe, based on Scripture and my observations, that the best way to do that and in particular, when in college is to avoid student loans, to go and get an education that's going to allow you to leave a positive impact on the world um, and to not be distracted for decades to come with student loan payments or bound to a certain career because uh, of decisions you made when you were 18, 19 years old. Um, it's uh, it's really then and that leads me into, you know, one of my frustrations that I talk about in the book is that we're currently having. 18, 19 year olds make decisions that are going to affect them for decades. Uh, they're making decisions with hundreds of thousands of dollars that, uh, you know, your typical 18 or 19 year old has no ability to understand the size of the decisions they're making. 
um, you know, what, what is the difference between a hundred thousand dollars and $300,000 to an 18 year old? Uh, most of them have had no experience, no ability to really calculate that. So what, you know, that, that's just yet another reason. Once you, once you've lived a couple of decades and you've, you've made, been making money for 10 years and spending money and you understand the value of a dollar, that's one thing. But when I was 18, I had, I had no idea how to value, uh, that amount of money or what it meant to actually sign up to spend that amount of money. Um, and so that's, that's yet another reason why I think we've got to head off this problem, uh, in some way. Okay, Jordan, I, this is making me think of one question. I know you valued money when you rolled over a whole stack of it (laughs) with your lawnmower. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, I was actually, I was actually looking for an opportunity to share that one just because it's, uh, just because it's pretty funny and and memorable. But this happened in, and I talk about it in the book. Um, happened in my during my second year of law school. Um, interesting little tidbit is that uh, when I was making my payments directly to the law school, the way it worked is I could, uh, they, I was like, like, like I've outlined, I wasn't borrowing money, um, but I didn't have to pay my entire semester up front. I think I could pay like half of it up front and then I had to pay off the balance by the end of the semester. Um, but they would, uh, the school required that I, um, if you paid with a credit card, they'd add like a 5% fee or something like that. And they wouldn't accept checks. So I had to pay in cash. So I would, I would go throughout the semester and make these payments in chunks of a thousand or two thousand dollars or whatever um, with cash. Um, and so, anyway, one one day, I think it was maybe a, a Friday. I had um, maybe a th- it was a Thursday. That's what it was. I was going to make the payment on Friday. I um, got the money out of the bank on Thursday uh, afternoon, and I had uh, twenty two hundred dollars. I think it was actually two thousand two hundred twenty two dollars in my pocket. Um, because I was, that was a Thursday evening and I was going to go to the school Friday morning and make my payment. And of course I was, uh, that Thursday night I was out mowing lawns as I I normally did. And, uh, I think I had been married maybe for a year at that time. My wife was out of town on a business trip and, uh, maybe it was six thirty, seven o'clock in the evening. I was mowing a lawn. I had a, had the envelope of cash in my pocket because I had left the bank an hour or two earlier. Um, and anyway, as I'm on my mower, uh, mowing this particular yard, I went to back up at one point. And I heard a sound, the mower made a sound, it ran over something, and it sounded like I had I had run over like a like a thin phone book or something. It just goes, uh, and I was like, oh, that's kind of odd. Uh, and next thing I know, I look over to my right, uh, and where the grass typically comes out of the chute on the mower deck, I saw a different shade of green <laughs> covering the lawn. And as I looked that down there and I, I saw what was on the lawn, I put my hand in my pocket and those uh, $2,200 bills were no longer in my pocket. And honestly, it was kind of a surreal moment. I said, like, that that didn't just happen. Like, I, I, I literally laughed to myself. I was like, that would be funny if that happened, but that didn't really happen. Um, but I turned off the mower and I got down on the grass and I realized that, in fact, the... <laughs> $2,200 in cash that had been in my pocket moments ago, I guess it slipped out and I had just run over all of those bills with my mower, shredded them into a million different pieces. And so honestly, it was, a, I mean, I, I hardly even, like, I don't remember even feeling anything. I just remember thinking this is, this is, this is a dream or something. So I, in my delirium, I picked up all the uh, shredded up cash that was now laying on the lawn and, um, I drove, I, I drove home. I got, I think I finished, maybe finished the lawn or maybe I, that was the last uh, little bit I had, but I picked it all up. I put it in a bag. 
I had a grocery bag I think I'd found on the truck. And um, anyway, I drove it out to my parents' house. And by that point, the uh, the reality had set in and I realized that I had run over $2,222 or $2,222. And uh, anyway, I drove out to my parents' house and I said, I didn't know what the protocol was for a situation like this. Uh, hadn't happened to anybody else that I knew, so I didn't really have any experience to go on. But uh, my parents helped me that evening. Uh, actually, that evening and the, and the course of the next morning, I think they worked on piecing every single one of those. Uh, I think there were $2,200 bills and then a 20 and then a couple of couple of ones. Uh, they pieced every single one back together, taped them back together. I took them to the bank. And uh, fortunately, they had to, the bank had to send the money off to uh, the Secret Service or the Treasury Department, whoever handles uh deals like this and a couple couple weeks later i did manage to get my money returned to me uh they returned uh full bills to me but uh, believe it or not there were i mean there were hundreds and hundreds of pieces uh we recovered every single shred of those bills um other than there was one corner of one twenty dollar bill i think we missed but uh yeah, that was uh, calling Meg to let her know that I had run over, shredded up two, over 2,000 of our precious dollars at that time was not a fun phone call. I think I actually maybe waited till the next day to make the phone call uh, and tell her what had happened. Uh, but yeah, that was a pretty bizarre story. It ended up having a happy ending, but it was, um, wow, what a, <laughs> what a time it was. Yeah, that is, that's such a unique story. Um, I'm sure we've, we've all probably run over things, you know, <laughs> as we're like, I've, I've run over the hose, right? The right. garden hose. I've you think, oh, I didn't buy that. And <laughs> no, I didn't get by it. I have one other question for you, Jordan, as we close out. And I was thinking about the listener who says, you know, this sounds awesome, but I didn't do it that way. And I did get in a lot of debt and I am 45 and I'm still paying off debt loans or 55 or, you know, whatever age that might be. So what, any tips or advice that you might give to, to that listener at this point? Sure. Absolutely. And, um, I want to be clear that I've, I've certainly don't mean to, to, with my, with my book or with my philosophy to shame anybody who's gone down that road. It was honestly because of my parents and other people who talked to me and warned me that I, uh, was able to avoid that. So I would say, first of all, if, if you've been down that road and you're frustrated, um, one thing you can do is let your kids or others know, um, to avoid that. Um, but, uh, Second of all, there are obviously plenty of resources out there uh, for to help people pay off their their debt, their student loans, and otherwise. I mean, Dave Ramsey's organization does a, a great job with that. Um, his book, Total Money Makeover, is one I would recommend. Um, but any of their resource, resources are great for paying off debt. I mean, I, the stories uh, the stories that their organization has produced of people who have paid off consumer debt. Um, Houses, cars, credit cards, student loans are incredible, um, and it can be done a whole lot faster than I think most people realize. Once you make a decision, it's kind of kind of like avoiding student loans. Um, you got to make the decision that you're not going to um, not going to borrow money for school if you want to pay for school debt free. Um, but at the same time, if you got to make the decision, we're not going to borrow any more money. We're going to pay off our debt. Um, and once you make that emotional decision, uh, the possibilities really open up. So I think it's uh, it's totally doable. You got to you got to make the decision. We're going to stop borrowing money, um, and we're going to make the the lifestyle 
changes or sacrifices necessary to pay it off. And uh, the resource I would direct people to is definitely Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover book. Um, and DaveRamsey.com is, can be real helpful. He's He and his organization have really inspired me. And uh, they've you know just got loads and loads of success stories to show how that can be done. I also love your blog, Jordan, because you're giving a lot of tips there for, I think the last one that you published was maybe last week or so. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Sure. And Rico, Rico loves this idea. <laughs> it seems. And um, I think it was about mortgage yep. and just little simple ways to trim back that. I mean, the rates are so low right now. So refinancing might be a really good option for some folks going from the 30 to the 15, those sorts of things, paying just a teeny bit more on the mortgage each month. Um, you know, that would be, I, I want to make sure that we link folks to your blog and you, I think are going to try to regularly post maybe a couple times a month. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's right. You can, uh, you can find my blog at Jordan, my website, jordantehall.com. Um, and, uh, I kind of, kind of just, it's kind of all over the place. I try to, I try to focus on personal finance and entrepreneurship. So you'll find, uh, just kind of random posts about different topics that have to do with personal finance, uh, and or entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be posting there regularly. And, um, you know, you never know, you never know what you'll get, um, as far as what topic I'll be talking about, but it's sort of a personal journal and just general stuff that I've learned that I think would be helpful to other people. I'm just so impressed by Jordan's initiative, his clarity of thought and articulation regarding money and life management. I hope you enjoyed his message as well. Be sure to snag a copy of his book, Every Degree Debt-Free. Links are in the show notes. Now let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the bounty of your provisions in our lives. We are such privileged people. Help us to be devoted to you first and foremost, and to consider Jesus Christ as the ultimate and eternal treasure that we can possess here on earth. Teach us what this means and just how to walk all this out with the renewed mind of Christ. In his name, amen. And there you have it, another episode in the books. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.